days of carving logs in a shed might be gone now, but we can use CNC machines and water jet cutters now. So it was a really beautiful project to be a part of. And I think everyone's willingness, which is important here, um, made this possible. The ability to be flexible to meet each other's needs. Kia ora, I'm Troy, here as CEO and welcome to Stirring the Pot. Thanks for connecting. If you're new, here's what you can expect. We're going to be talking the tough stuff, the things that keep us metalheads up at night. There are many challenges facing our industry and equally many opinions on how we should tackle them. Stirring the Pot provides a facilitated forum to discuss and challenge these viewpoints. So let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. Kia ora, I'm Kim, GM of comms here at Hera. Today I'm talking with Nick Tupata, Kevin Alvey, Adam Furness and Tim Blackburn. Nick is an amazing Māori artist, well respected in Māori Ringatoi. Kevin is a project manager at Gisborne Engineering and from the WSP team, Adam is a senior engineering geologist based in the Hawke's Bay and Tim a senior structural engineer in Auckland. Together their expertise have combined to deliver Te Fittinga o Tamatai Pūnoa, a 8 metre tall monument that is part of a project by the New Zealand Transport Agency to replace the original one-lane Motu Bridge. On top of this, the project has recently been honoured with winning the Small Project Award at the recent CSOC conference. Okay, well welcome everyone to Putata. It's fantastic to be able to get you all connected in today. I know we've been trying really hard to find a common day that worked for everyone, so I'm really, really happy that we finally made that happen. Um, We have Nick and Adam joining us from Gisborne, and myself and Tim are sat here in Auckland, so we're really tapping into modern technology, even though we've had a few hiccups along the way this morning. So it's all it's really fantastic to have you all together. I, I thought a, a really great way to start would be to get to know a bit about yourselves and, of course, what you do in terms of your career and how you've connected into this project. So perhaps, Tim, you might like to kick off and let us know how you or about yourself. Sure. Um, my name is Tim Blackburn. I'm a senior structural engineer with WSP in Auckland. Um, the long and short of what I do is I make sure things don't fall over. Um, the more that's the simplest way of putting it uh, more specifically we design structures for our many and varied clients and um, occasionally we get to work on a really interesting project such as this one fantastic and yourself adam uh, my name's adam Furness. i am a senior engineering geologist with wsp um, and have done this for a while as well as work in management uh, like tim the odd chance to work on projects like this is a valuable experience. And um, we're hoping to do more of these in the future. Just to note, I've also invited Kevin from Gisborne Engineering, who was part of the production and build of the Motupo. Kevin, what was your role? Basically, we're just a small engineering company in Gisborne. Um, my, my role in the company is project manager, so we do quite often design build jobs or stuff that's not normally done we don't really concentrate too much on the normal uh, steel fabrication of beams or anything like that but we'd rather be involved with a nice project like this so this was really a good one to be involved with 
Oh, fantastic, Kevin. I'm, I'm sure we'll hear more from you through the podcast. And last but certainly not least, Nick. Porana. Um, Nick Tupara was born, I'm born and bred here in Gisborne, and I, I work as an artist. Um, and in this particular project, I was approached by um, authorities greater than myself, namely their uncles, and um, got a, a nudge from the local marae nearest to the project area at, at um, Matawai um, to bring um, their, their story um, into the project via a, a piece of visual offering, in this case, um, sculpture, a poe. Atahua. I wondered, Adam, if you could give an overview of the project a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So in 2015, I believe it was, the national government had a goal with Simon Bridges to eliminate single lane bridges from the state highways. Uh, this bridge, the Motu Bridge at the time, had safety issues and ongoing maintenance problems. So they decided to build a new bridge, a new two lane bridge, which took a good part of two and a half years, I believe, um, due to the environment and how remote the area was. It presented good engineering challenges throughout. Um, and at the tail end of this project and during, we had worked with local hapu and the community around what they thought would be good attributes surrounding the actual bridge itself. So. The PO was one that was identified along with working with the Motu Trails Trust to set up a cycleway stop point with a little bit of a bus shelter area, which is now where it is seen today. So that's kind of how we got to that point. What was your particular role in the project, Adam? Um, I think people would view me as the guy on the ground. Um, I work closely with NZTA and given Tairawhiti's sort of remote location, they asked that I could work with them and Iwi to sort of put this together. Um, we were just talking about it before and think the project from the initial drawing to being blessed and unveiled was around 18 months. Um, and like Nick had sort of mentioned, the success of this project was around how closely we all worked together and Tim and Hera included along with Gisborne Engineering and NIP and consultation from community and NZTA I think made this actually possible and the fact that it's on our doorstep it was something we all wanted to be proud of. Yes absolutely it's a great example of collaboration for sure I can really see how you know the powers of being able to get connected across the motu you know, having some people working down on site, some here in Auckland, has really come together to bring all your expertise into one whole project. You can see that's reflected in how it's turned out and how beautiful the structure is. So, Nick, you mentioned earlier that your uncles roped you into this project. What is the story behind the PO design that you came up with? Yeah, no, you're you're right there. I pretty much got a phone call one very rainy, wet winter morning. I think it might have been even on a weekend uh, from one of my uncles, Charlie Pera, that he was coming around to pick me up to take me to the rifle hui. And I tried to get out of it because I was probably still in bed. But um, we got to the marae and he told the story of the ancestors um, 
from around the, the bridge project area and indicated to the Marae that um, there was going to be a PO erected to um, hold the story of, of those ancestors and that I was going to do it. And then um, everyone said, yep, we'll get Nick to do it. We had a cup of tea and we went to the site for the first time. Um, so it was a, a confidence thing that um, the marae and the hapu at Matawai had that I would carry the story of those ancestors um, into an engineered project. And it required um, some faith and confidence of, of the engineers who were um, both uh, managing the project and those that would fabricate a final piece um, to come together um, to ensure that the, the, the stories were um, carried the integrity that the, the home people wanted it to do. And I, I think we certainly did that. Um, I think I'd illustrate that by um, describing the, the faces of all the children from Matawai School who turned out for the unveiling. And there wasn't a, um, a child missing that day. And just the ownership they took of um, the project, um, took over of all the project. Now that bridge is theirs and the sculpture is theirs. And it's um, what they identify um, with for their connection to that place. And um, from that, the, the project just grew to belong to everybody else that, that, that decides to take a trip either from or to Gisborne. And um, I think that's job done, really, um, in terms of um, my involvement and um, hopefully keeps my uh, myself in the good books with the uncles going forward from there. <laughs> I'm sure it definitely would do. I read somewhere, actually, Nick, that um, it's it told the story of uh, some mana wahine in the region. Is that correct? Yeah, Hini Tapuarau was the, in her time, carried the mana for the, the area. And um, she gets to marry a chap called Mahaki, who arrived there um, through interactions with with iwi in the wider the wider district uh, but when he arrived there he arrived with nothing but he married very well and it was um through that connection that um everybody from both sides of the bridge has a whakapapo genealogical connection to this place and um she um was like the bridge able to reconnect um, both Eastern Bay of Plenty and Tūranganui, Akiwa, Gisborne, and um, tie everything together. Oh, that's a beautiful story. I, I love how there's all those hidden meetings behind your design. And Nick, I know there were deliberations over the official name of the PO. Could you touch on that for me? End of the day, that's that with Uncle. Um, but the I think it was... Um, ensuring we, we covered all our bases and the name of the bridge, Tefitinga or Tamataipunua, um, is a, an important linking ancestor between the Eastern Bay of Plenty and, and um, Gisborne. And so the bridge is really where the strength of the, the connection um, across the landscape lies. 
um, the name of the sculpture, Hine Tapuaro, allows us then to tell the rest of that story. And um, it contains in that the, the, the detail, some of the other characters who were around at the time that this um, ancestral interaction was happening. And um, I think the uncles pretty much had it all lined out. It was me trying to figure out how we're going to put all of that story together. And um, the, uh, and, but ensuring that we, were, we retain that connection across, across the landscape with everybody. Um, and that's where the artistic challenge comes from. Um, that's why we do the things we do, um, why we enjoy those sorts of things. And um, I've got to say that um, I, I, there was some anxiety when you hand your, your drawings over to engineering. Um, you, you, get, you give away your, um, your visual impression to somebody else to make. And that's a, a matter of some trauma for any artist. But um, when, when things start coming back to you, um, drawings from Kevin, from Brisbane Engineering, certainly the, the, the very um, expressive and colourful um, drawings from Nandor for the stress testing, um, the, um, the manner in which engineering decided to step up and put on an artistic hat to ensure that the uh, solutions they thought about um, were able to come forward to ensure that that story was told in a very elegant way. And um, from that grew a confidence that um, the stories of my uncles um, were being respected, um, that they um, were taken seriously and um, the engineering wanted this to also be a beautiful expression. And um, when I could see that, um, I had every confidence that um, the project would arrive at, at a space that everyone would be happy with, right down to um, the way that, if you saw the videos of the unveiling, the way that the, the canvas retreated from the sculpture, you know, they, they engineered that. Um, so that the impact, the visual impact was um, as great as it could be for those little children gathered around. And um, that kind of thought just doesn't happen um, offhand. It, 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 it has thought, it has motivation, and um, it was delivered. And those, those small things like that, the unveiling process being engineered into, into ensuring that that day, hands that sculpture to that community. Um, and that, those are important things that um, when, it, when an artist is looking at, at the details of their work, there's those types of things. Um, when you go into a gallery, how are you going to hang? How are you going to present? How are you going to light um, a piece of artwork? And engineering um, was delivering on that every step of the way through. And, um, and I saw it in the faces of the uncles alongside their children from Atawai School, um, that they were content that ancestors had been given the respect that they needed um, and attached to this project. So when it came to the actual art or design process for you, Nick, um, what aspects of the project were you most involved with? Was it just concept drawings and then it was passed on to, say, Kevin to realise uh, 
in a more structural way? How did that go about? Well, I'm surprised Kevin's still sitting here right next to me um, talking to me after the problems I gave him. Yeah, pretty much I'm a pencil and paper guy. Um, <laughs> came up with the try to capture as many of the ancestors as we can and, and represent them in a, a visual form um, and make the storytelling make, make some sense and then pass that on to folk like Kevin to figure out how they're going to fabricate this. And um, from a artistic perspective, I found that enriching for myself was to have a greater appreciation of the, the quality and skill that is needed to fabricate um, my bits of squiggle on a paper and um, being able to bring that to a, a physical form eight metres high, I think it is, um, that looks very elegant, um, but very purposeful in the way that it represents those ancestors. And um, possibly not an easy thing um, to do once you, you get your, your boots going, um, but certainly the outcome here has been a process from an artist's perspective of much learning for myself. And um, certainly I'd see this project as a benchmark for any future projects that I'll be involved in. And I hope some of those projects continue to include Kevin and um, certainly Gisborne Engineering. Um, the, I think the collaboration is as valuable a part of a positive outcome than the visual. Um, but at the end of the day, as an artist, it's got to look great. It's got to have a, an aesthetic appeal. and um, being able to achieve both of those in this particular case has um, really been a, a, a trial for me as an artist. Awesome for Cardo and spoken like a true artist for sure, Nick. So I, I was curious to delve a little bit deeper into that, Kevin. Once you got Nick's squiggles on a piece of paper, how did you go about translating that into something that could be fabricated? Well, basically, um, Nick and Adam came along for Primarily merit meeting, and um, basically um, Nick came with a sketch, and unfortunately we had to talk to Nick that if we made made the first one from his drawing, it would all fall on the floor like a big jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> so we had to tell him that we needed lines that interconnected, so that when we cut it all out, it still stayed in the same shape as he required. Um, we also discussed with Adam that also the I would need more um, reinforcement in it, either widening up, widening the perimeter around it with uncut sections, or putting a big rolled band around the whole hoe, and also some quite substantial gussets in the bottom. Um, so we, that was taken on board. Um, Nick came back with a second drawing, and then we just worked with that and um, some of the details Nick had. But then it was beautiful, but it was actually too fine for ever to be standing out where it was going. So we worked with Nick and we gave him two or three concept drawings where some of the details changed and um, Nick was brilliant to work with. He understood that why we were changing his design a wee bit, um, especially around the face and the hair. And um, basically the thickness of the steel, a lot of it wouldn't be able to be seen clearly. So was great. So but, but Nick and 
we had quite a association um, changing the drawings and working through it. And was that your first experience working on a project that sort of touched into the rounds of Matauranga Māori, Kevin? So I'd imagine it'd be quite a learning experience for you. It was. It was a big learning experience, especially when I um, changed some of the um, detail around the chin and, and some of the um, symbols on there to make it more relief. And uh, it, it was a really good process and learning curve for me too, understanding the process and why Nick had drawn it. But also at the very beginning, we did a, a small test cut for Nick to show him how it would, out of the sheet metal to show him how it would come together. Um, we put a smoko on in our workshop and Nick and Adam came and Nick told a wonderful story of all about the hoe and how it originated and and everybody in the workshop brought into the whole project all the way through. Adam, why was mild steel or weathering steel selected as a material? Oh, Kevin's handed me the microphone. Um, it, it came down to availability, actually, at the time. Um, and initially the time frame for the unveiling of the bridge and the Poe itself. So the decision was made early on to source product that was available. Well, that makes sense. You definitely need the product to make the project come to life. Had you thought about using other materials prior to that? I think Nick's original idea was actually to have it as a sort of 14 colour to look at sort of rusted and sort of set into the landscape. Um, that actually early on just presented engineering difficulties. So the decision was made to use the mild sheet seal and paint it. I think in the end it turned out really beautiful anyway, so perhaps it was fate that it ended up being like that. And then overall, I think I remember you saying that it took about 18 months to deliver this project. I'm curious to know, Adam and Kevin, how you found the experience of working with the local iwi to get it across the line. Uh, it's, I guess I've cut my teeth in this a long time ago, and a big part of this is having the patience to listen to people and what they want. And I think the foundations of this project stem from good communication and collaboration with everybody early, early on. Um, we were having meetings in Gisborne Engineering with Nick through the cutting process and through the early fabrication process. Um, I had pulled Nick in to show him here his work um, and work alongside Tim in the office here with you. It's um it's a anything is really achievable way as long as you have patience and effective communication skills. Yes, I think so. And also the ability to be a bit more flexible and fluid and be able to iterate based on what each group of people who are bringing to the project, you know, what they feed into it. How can you react to that and make sure that it works the best? for everyone holistically. So I can see it would have been a really interesting project to, to manage and to connect all those parts together. Now, you mentioned that uh, Tim joined into the project in terms of the structural elements. I wondered um, for you, Tim, what were the structural design challenges for this project that you had to help overcome? The main challenge was just how does it stand up um, when it's subject to wind and uh, earthquake forces. It's quite a, a slender thing being seven or eight metres tall and 
Um, the steel sheet itself was only, I think, 25 or 32 millimeters thick. So um, initially we were we were thinking perhaps we could put some, uh, you know, rigid steel posts in behind it to hold it up, but that we pretty quickly established that that would um, ruin the aesthetic qualities of the sculpture. And so as, as Kevin mentioned before, Gisborne Engineering, uh, the team there had the idea of, of forming a sort of a flange around the perimeter that um, provided stability to it. And so that's the scheme we ran with. And um, yeah, we did some analysis in conjunction with Hera to double check that it could work. And it, it turned out to be a really nice solution that I think um, you know, enabled it to achieve the sort of compliance things we were after in terms of stability as while still realizing the, the qualities that Nick was trying to achieve. Yes, our finite element analysis uh, Nandor Magoo was involved in assisting this project. What made you reach out to Hura for this deliverable and, and how did you think it really helped the project? Uh, the main reason was just the the complexity of the structure itself. It wasn't a, um, a conventional structure, obviously, built out of you know steel beams and columns and, and concrete floors that we're used to. It had all these uh, intricate curves and um, you know pointy bits at the end of the of the quarter patterns. And so um, to, to really analyze that properly, um, you know, we could have taken a couple of months to do it or we could have contacted someone like Nandor who was there ready to go. And um, that was definitely the best solution because we just we weren't 100 percent sure that, um, you know, it could stand up by itself without that that uh, advanced analysis to, to show that. Yes, well, when we saw this project come through that Nandor was working on, I immediately was taken by it because, as you say, I'm used to seeing boring bits of beam and <laughs> other sorts of projects like that. So it was beautiful to see this wonderful sculpture coming to life. Um, for myself as well, I am Māori, so I really connected with it, and it was wonderful to see how that mātauranga could cross over into engineering elements and, and how that can come to life with a little bit of um, give and take from from all the different parties. So it was really beautiful, I think, example of multidisciplinary project um, deliverables. Um, it was really a combination of innovative art, structural engineering knowledge, and I guess finite element analysis. Um, and it really showcased the beauty of steel and art, I think. And of course, Hera is um, the Metals Association for Aotearoa. So it was right up our alley when we saw this beautiful structure in steel. I think it just goes to show um, how steel can create beautiful structures. I know that often it's the backbone of a building and it gets all covered up. So it was, it's nice to see it standing strong and proud in, in the area um, and I did watch some beautiful videos of the opening ceremony um, and as Nick mentioned seeing all of the tamariki there um, the you know the elders of that iwi and the pride that um, the local people had for that project I think it's just something that you should all be very proud of how now looking back on that process um, Adam, how do you think that that collaboration experience will influence the future projects that you work on? So this is definitely, like you've said, quite a unique project, and it sets a precedent for things going forward, like Nick had indicated. Um, some of the feedback I got early on from people at NZTA was that the sculpture is so unique in terms of the colour and what was done that it's probably going to lead the game in 
prompt people to do better in the future. Um, there are other projects that Nick and I are working on in the very early infancies, which may have something of this nature in the future. Um, it would be really great to see this sort of thing rolled out on a broader scale across the country. Um, I remember sitting at Motu Bridge with some of these uncles Nick had talked about, telling them about all the logs that we'd found and how we could carve something pretty decent. And one of them leaned over and said, oh, those days of carving logs in a shed might be gone now, but we can use CNC machines and water jet cutters now. So it was a really beautiful project to be a part of. And I think everyone's willingness, which is important here, um, made this possible. The ability to be flexible to read each other's needs. Hmm, that's so beautiful. I Like I say, I think um, the success of this project is reflected also in its accolades. And um, most recently, this project has won an award at CSOC conference um, for the Small Project Awards. So many congratulations to all of you. And I thank you so much for your time today to share a little bit of the journey and to inspire other businesses and um, projects to incorporate an intertwining of these, these cultural uh, aspects into our projects in Aotearoa. So thank you so much for time so there you go thanks for joining our conversation with nick kevin adam and tim today if you'd like to connect more with them you'll find their details in the show notes for me this was such an inspiring conversation on how engineering and martyrdom can come together to create beautiful structures my father actually grew up in Mahia, which is a couple of hours away from where this project is so i love that it has been a collaboration with the local iwi Hailing from Ngāti Kahununu and Rungo Mai Wahine myself, I also love that it tells the kōrero and shows the mana of Tipuna Wahine, Rungo Mai Wahine being one such lady. So let me finish off with words from Nick which really resonated with me and I hope will for you too. We want people to hear the karanga of our people. Food for thought till we see you next time. So hit subscribe and if you like what you heard today, please like, review or share with any metalheads you know. Let's spread the word. Hi, my name is Nandor Mogu. I'm a finite element analyst at HERA and I carried out the simulation work for WSP on this motto sculpture. Please get in touch with me if you encounter a job which is beyond your everyday practice. My contact details are in the show notes.